Break Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies. And our topic today is homeopathy, and our guest is Manfred Mueller, the president of the North American Society of Homeopaths, or NASH. Manfred has degrees in psychology and theology and was a psychotherapist before his training in homeopathy. He's been a member of the National Center for Homeopathy since 1986 and has been president of NASH since 2005. Hello, Manfred. How are you doing today? Doing well, thanks. How about you? Could not be better. I guess I'll start by asking the simple question of who was Samuel Hahnemann? Well, Hahnemann Hahnemann was a German physician and uh, chemist who, as a young doctor, became disenchanted with a uh, a lack of reason and the injurious effect of uh, medical practice of his time. At that time, they were using bloodletting and crude doses of mercury and arsenic. Hahnemann introduced into medicine scientific and ethical principles, such as do not harm. He insisted that everything must be tested by experiment. Uh, This approach was based on the Berlin German mathematician and astronomer Johann Heinrich Lambert. Hahnemann single-handedly created a whole new system of medical and pharmaceutical science, and that's known today as homeopathy. In his memory, a memorial statute was erected in Washington, D.C. by the first American Medical Society, the American Institute of Homeopathy. Uh, A lot of people don't know that the AMA was founded two years later after the first American Medical Society was formed, which was a homeopathic society. You say the history of homeopathy goes back a lot further than most people understand and appreciate. What exactly is homeopathy, and, and what is the law of similars? Well, actually, uh, homeopathy took its name from the cardinal, from its one of its cardinal principles, the law of similar, similars. Actually, this law was already formulated in the distant past by uh, the ancient Greek uh, physician Hippocrates, who uh, had uh, had formulated as uh, you know, what, what's known in Latin as similia, similia similius curentur, like cures like. Even ancient in Hindu texts contain this principle, and there are references to it in Native American medicine. Uh, the sweeping German medical, medical genius von Hohenheim, who was later called Paracelsus, had uh, mentioned the law of similars many times in his work. Hahnemann sought to, sought to examine this principle scientifically and conducted his famous experiment with quinine, which was known to cure cases of malaria. If the law of similars was true, it would produce symptoms similar to that of malaria. Hahnemann decided to conduct this experiment on himself, and he had suffered from that disease earlier, so he knew the symptoms from firsthand experience very well. He'd ingested quinine in his experiment and found that, indeed, it produced similar symptoms in him. He tried this with other medications and proceeded to test about 100 medications for the symptoms they can produce and applied them and tested them on in the treatment of diseases. He not only was the first to uh, treat diseases like uh, scarlet fever uh, and, and cure them uh, without uh, antibiotic, uh, antibiotics, but he also protected them against them successfully um, by giving a medicine uh, to exposed people like the family members of children who had scarlet fever in, in 1801 in uh, Königsluder, Germany and successfully prevented the disease. The earliest vaccines. Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. In America, I know that at the turn of the 20th century, 8% of all doctors were homeopaths. Yes, homeopathy was really, uh, you could say, the f- first scientific approach to vaccination. 
Also, um, a lot of physicians took notice that the system spread quickly around the world and became especially popular in, in uh, uh, the 1820s, uh, 1830s in the United States. Actually, I've heard figures as, as high as 25% of all American physicians were homeopaths. There's an excellent book, which is available on the web, by the way, uh, by Will, Dr. William Harry King, and uh, it's on the uh, state of homeopathy at the, at the turn of the 20th century. It details in uh, the, uh, physicians, it has physicians' names and homeopathic medical colleges and hospitals, along with the nursing staff in detail. So uh, homeopathy was very successful. It was a, a major mainstream form of medicine. However, at some point, uh, it that in, really in the beginning of the 20th century, an assault was launched against homeopathy by uh, the Rothschild Rockefeller Syndicate, a group of financial and oil um, monopolists who um, planned to get into the pharmaceutical business. And um, they used the Carnegie Foundation money to launch what they called a um, test of uh, examination of medical education and uh, found in uh, their infamous uh, Flexner report that um, all therapies that deviated from the suppressive drug approach used at that time by allopathic doctors or regular doctors, uh, they found that education to be substandard. Thus, naturopathic approaches, chiropractic, um, osteopathic approaches were considered su substandard from a scientific point of view. And we were so surprised. <laughs> Simultaneously, they lobbied for licensing laws that discriminated against adherence of the homeopathic approach, and by the 1950s, homeopathy had all but been eliminated. Actually, this attack on homeopathy continues today. You will see uh, frequently um, stories that we uh, often respond to in the major media that are attempts to malign or belittle homeopaths or homeopathy. And yet, isn't the concept of the law similars, similar in many ways to the principle used in allergy shots by mainstream medicine? That's correct. Actually, allergy shots are, uh, make use of a crude form of the law of similar, uh, so-called isopathy. Basically, the idea that you use a substance in minute dose to achieve habituation uh, to that substance uh, in a patient that is sensitive to it. It works in some patients, uh, but it does not adhere to the other principles of homeopathic medicine, which includes the uh, principle of individualization or the law of individualization. That means each patient has the unique characteristics and sensitivities which must be, must be re responded to in order to achieve a cure. So if they did that, they would be able to um, probably permanently desensitize a patient, uh, and this is done in homeopathy. Besides, uh, allergy shots contain phenol in a significant dose, which is a highly allergenic substance, which in, in a way induces permanent allergies in some patients. So it's okay if, if we use it, but if a homeopath uses it, then it doesn't have any work. <laughs> well, yeah. A little bit of a double standard going on. Yes, it is. Gee, and we're so surprised about that. How are homeopathic solutions actually made? Well, homeopathic solutions are made by a process called potentization, which is a serial and stepwise dilution and succussion process. Succussion is a form of agitation of a mixture. So the mixture is diluted, first of all, in a, in a solvent like water or alcohol, and then it is shaken after each step, and then it's further diluted and again shaken. Uh, this is to reduce the concentration of the substance, which is initially maybe toxic, and uh, it is diluted down to a non-toxic level, and uh, at 
the same time, it increases the organization of the solvent, and that increases its effect. Which is one of the principles that many of us find hard to understand, that the lower the concentration, actually, it's the stronger the dose. Correct. It's uh, confusing. When, when, and most, most people Im- immediately re- respond to this um, claim as that can't be true, that's, that's unscientific. Uh, what they don't understand is that homeopathy does actually not make use of um, the chemical action of the drug. It makes use of the uh, information contained in the solvent after going through this process of potentization. The shaking of the solution increases the organization, so the action of homeopathic medicine is probably, and I say probably because the process is not fully understood yet, but it's probably on the nuclear magnetic uh, level. What is the C scale that's used in homeopathy, as in 2C or 30C? And- uh, C stands for centesimal. It is uh, the dilution of one drop of the medicinal substance um, in 99 drops of alcohol. So there's other solutions like an X potency. It's the X scale. It's a one drop in nine drops of solvent. And then there's finally the so-called Q scale, which is sometimes mistakenly called the LM scale, which is a little more complex the way it is made. But it's in essence a dilution of 50,000. How many different solutions are in use today? There are approximately 3,000 3, substances in use. And these are actually regulated for safety by the FDA, right? Homeopathy has been regulated ever since the FDA has existed. The FDA was created by the Food, Drug, and, Drug and Cosmetics Act in 1939. At that point, homeopathic drugs were incorporated under homeopathic pharmacopoeia of the United States. In the 1980s, um, new rules were adopted uh, by the FDA for homeopathic drugs to increase safety, uh, and that includes labeling laws, such as homeopathic medicines have to have certain uh, directions on them, which unfortunately are misleading because they do not adhere to the individualization principle of homeopathy. So um, it, it will give one condition, even though the medicine covers a specific group of symptoms, not a condition. Homeopathy, uh, homeopathic medicines are safe, and they're sold uh, legally under FDA rules without a prescription. And that FDA safety factor is something, again, many people aren't aware of. Don't realize that this has been going on for a long time. This is not a new development. Yes. They were almost grandfathered in, you could say, in the, in the Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act because they existed even prior to it. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. You'd actually mentioned earlier that Hahnemann began to test his solutions on healthy patients to see if they produced these symptoms. That's actually one of the uh, steps in homeopathy is to test these solutions on healthy patients first, isn't it? It is. It was a a tremendous innovation uh, in medicine. It is not. uh, Hahnemann never gets credit for some of these innovations, but they're they're revolutionary uh, innovations in medicine. And uh, unfortunately, Hahnemann's name never appears in any conventional medical texts. 
So Hahnemann should be given credit for, uh, first of all, introducing scientific principles in intermedicine, and second, for introducing several drugs, like, for example, he introduced the drug digitalis into medicine. Allopaths later started using it for treatment of uh, heart problems. Other homeopaths, like Herring, uh, introduced, um, he first experimented with hydrophobinum, which was a solution made from the saliva of a rabid dog 50 years before Pasteur ever experimented with his uh, rabies vaccine. So homeopaths invented rabies vaccination as well as treatment for rabies. It's amazing the history people don't understand. Yes, homeopathy is a complete system of medicine that's uh, not widely known, and uh, but that's also probably the reason why um, uh, conventional medicine was seen as such a, as such a threat to especially drug manufacturers and still is. So yes, uh, homeopathic drugs um, are first studied by using the Groot's crude substance uh, and tested on healthy people to elicit the symptoms they can produce. Then the potentized form of these substances administered to the patient that it is ind indicated for. You'd mentioned that homeopathy is a complete system, and I know having gone to a homeopath myself, the first interview covers not only the physical symptoms, but also uh, mental and emotional conditions as well. Correct. During the first visit, the homeopath finds out the exact symptoms the patient exhibits, both in mind and body, anything that is part of the disorder. So when something goes wrong in people, it's not always just a physical thing, but also psychologically something goes wrong, and that is, that is also incorporated and included in the assessment. I know that homeopathy is much more popular in other parts of the world. Uh, for example, Scotland, I think it's like 12% of the population uses homeopathy, and India is like 15%. Well, according to a, a one study, 42% of UK physicians refer patients to homeopaths. 25% of French physicians actually use homeopathic medicines in their practice. And I understand nearly 50% of Californians have at one point used or purchased a homeopathic medicine. So homeopathy is becoming more popular, and it's widely popular in Europe and many other countries, especially Australia and New Zealand. Also in India, it's very popular. There's over 300 homeopathic medical colleges in India, and it's uh, one of the accepted approaches to, to medicine. Uh, the government sanctions homeopathy fully, and so does the European Union. Which is in stark contrast to here in America. Yes, where homeopathy is still, as I said earlier, maligned and belittled. Even even attacked uh, practitioners are sometimes investigated by medical board for for being um, committing a criminal uh, act. What kind of health issues can be helped by homeopathy? Well, as I said before, it's a complete system of medicine, so that includes um, a wide range of chronic and acute disorders, including prevention of infectious diseases. There are many conditions that are currently only suppressed in regular medicine, but they are often completely resolved with homeopathic treatments, such as high blood pressure or eczema, endometriosis, or depression. What are some of the differences between what you would call classic homeopathy and sequential homeopathy? Uh, classic homeopathy incorporates everything, the thousands of researchers, physicians, and homeopaths who were active around the world, and their discoveries and their publications and the principles they laid out and the clinical experiences they have uh, communicated uh, the peer review that went on over a period of 200 years, all of that is classical homeopathy. Certain principles were worked out that are considered fact, scientific fact, and that work and have repeatedly worked. 
Uh, sequential therapy uh, was an offshoot from homeopathy, um, relatively recent, the last uh, 15 years perhaps. It's, you could say, a, a special approach. Unfortunately, it has not been tested or peer-reviewed to the degree that the classical approach has been, uh, so I cannot really comment on its merits. A system that's more in line with the classical principle that's similar to sequential therapy is the reverse chronological tautopathy, which is used to address complex drug-induced disorders and so also disorders induced by environmental toxins. Um, this adheres to the classical principles, although it's in a, you could say it's a more uh, current or modern application of those. Sounds like something I'm going to have to add in the next edition of Unbreak Your Health, too. Yes. Aren't even veterinarians beginning to use homeopathy uh, in a big way today? Yes, not just today, but uh, throughout history, uh, homeopathy was also used in animals. So, for example, I mentioned uh, Herring, who had experimented with hydrophobia and the rabies uh, vaccine. Uh, they also tested that, that on animals. Similarly, the um, anthrax immunization, homeopathic immunization, was tried in Germany by a uh, professor of veterinary medicine, Dr. Lux, uh, Wilhelm Lux, uh, um, tried the anthrax vaccine on sheep, uh, not only for cure of anthrax, but also for prevention. And um, he published his results in a small booklet. This was 50 years before Pasteur developed his so-called anthrax vaccine. And uh, in the 1950s, a homeopathic veterinarian uh, treated rabies with homeopathic medicines and, and uh, conducted a study and found that um, he has a, had a, a high level, uh, I don't remember the data, about a high level of cures in rabid, rabid, dog, rabid dogs with homeopathic treatment. What kind of training is required to practice homeopathy in America today? Um, most homeopaths uh, undergo a uh, three- to four-year of strictly homeopathic training in one of the homeopathic schools' uh, programs. Those schools are reviewed by a, the so-called independent council of um, homeopathic education that have to adhere to certain accreditation standards. Students typically also take, in addition, uh, basic medical education. Some homeopaths are actually medical doctors who uh, specialize in homeopathy after they go through a regular medical training, they go and switch to homeopathy. Then there are naturopathic physicians who study naturopathy, which is a kind of a general natural approach to a medicine, and then they do a specialty in training in homeopathy. But then there are also people who specialize in homeopathy from the very beginning, and uh, at the same time they get um, basic medical education so they can work in partnership with conventional doctors for diagnostic purposes and so forth. They also become often, um, like for example in our uh, organization, the North American Society of Homeopathy, we require that registered practitioners have been certified by the Council for Homeopathic Certification. So there is standardization and certification? Yes. And obviously anybody wanting to find uh, such a certified homeopath can go to your website. Yes. The North American Society of Homeopaths has a directory, and you can look in your area to see if there's one of our trained, registered, and certified homeopaths available in your area. Well, thank you, Manfred, for taking the time to talk with me about homeopathy. It's a fascinating subject. My pleasure. Anyone wanting to learn more about homeopathy should check out the association's website at www.homeopathy.org. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back next week with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. 
Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon. 